this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, including two teaching hospitals and the region's only level two trauma center with more than 5,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and make caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General provides services throughout Acadiana and facilitates telemedicine throughout the state, making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, visit OxnerLG.org. Support for this podcast comes from HomeBank, banking from anywhere with tech features for everyday needs. And when businesses and families need a banker, HomeBank is there as friends, neighbors, and partners in the community. Learn more at home24bank.com. HomeBank, member FDIC. Our guest is legendary softball coach Yvette Girard. A native of Broussard, Yvette served as head softball coach at UL Lafayette from 1981 to 2000, and then at LSU from 2000 to 2011. She won over 75% of her games on the collegiate level. Yvette has been named Coach of the Year by three separate conferences, the SEC in 2001 and 2002, the Sun Belt in 2000, and the Southland Conference, 1984, 85, and 87. She's one of only three coaches to take two teams to the Women's College World Series. And listen to this. She's been inducted into the Louisiana Softball Coaches Hall of Fame, the UL Lafayette Athletic Hall of Fame, LSU Athletic Hall of Fame, and the Louisiana Hall of Fame in Natchitoches. On March 15, 2019 at UL Lafayette, Lamson Park was rededicated to Yvette Girard. The park is now known as Yvette Girard Field at Lamson Park. I invited Yvette to join us to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX and discuss how this landmark legislation impacted her career. This provided the path to gender equity in sports. I want to thank you, Yvette, for joining us on Discover Lafayette. Thanks for making the drive over and for sharing your story. My pleasure. Anytime I can come home to the KDN area, I jump yeah. at the chance. And um, This it, is our it, first time to meet, yet your name is ubiquitous with women's softball. Yeah, it was a long, hard road, but it started as a little girl in Broussard where, you know, God gave me athletic ability and Mm -hmm. athletic talent, and I wasn't allowed to play. When the little boys that I played with in the neighborhood went out for t-ball, they wanted to know where Yvette was, and the coaches (laughs) said, well, she can't play. She's a girl. And so I went through my whole childhood of being everybody else's coach or going to watch uh, my buddies play, and then when I got to high school, I finally got to play um, volleyball. But, um, you know, through all those trials and tribulations, and <laughs> there were pr- plenty of trials, it's it's funny, at the end of my career, I thank God for giving me mm-hmm. um, a career 
in softball. I never realized that, you know, my path would lead there. But as a little girl, I, I never understood why I was given God athletic talents and not being able to use them. And you're bringing up playing volleyball. I remember my God, my sister-in-law was so good in volleyball at um, St. Joseph's Academy in Baton Rouge. The same, she, she graduated in 72 as, as you did. And that was like the only real big sport for women at that time. And that's what you went to USL on, right? You played volleyball, not I, softball. I did. Um, volleyball was the only sport at Como High School then. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to USL, there were no scholarships. So I walked on. You know, Title IX is 50 years old, but it took about 15 years before Mm -hmm. it actually had any kind of teeth in it where scholarships were awarded. So, um, no, that was the only sport that was was, uh, provided, and I wasn't real crazy about it, but it gave me an avenue to to Uh play something. But you had always played softball just for fun? I played softball when I was 18 years old in the Lafayette Parish Leagues. My cousin, my first cousin, said, let's go play on this team. And I thought, it's probably just a beer-drinking team league. And I was always serious when I played. And how funny that my career started that way. I played when I was 18. I got picked up by a really good softball team in New Iberia where we traveled all over the country, won state, went wow. to nationals, but it was slow pitch. I had never seen fast pitch until I was probably about 19 or 20, and there was actually a men's league in Beaver Park in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And I walked up to the fence and thought, what is that game they're playing? That's pretty cool. My dad was a big baseball man, so every summer – we went to Houston, Texas to watch the Astros. That was our oh, vacation. God, cool. Then yeah. we went to Galveston. Mm-hmm. And when I was older, I thought, when I finally got to go to Florida and see really pretty water, I thought, what the heck? Why were we going there? But it was all about baseball. Mm-hmm. So when I was hired um, at Como High School, when I graduated from UL, they started fast pitch softball in the parish. We didn't have it. Baton Rouge had already been playing it. I think maybe Lake Charles was, but Baton Rouge had fast-pitch softball. Mm-hmm. We were just starting it in the Lafayette Parish school system. Can I show my ignorance? Slow pitch is You deliver underarm, it underhand, underhand, and there's a big And it arc. flies. But fast-pitch fast pitch is over like— No, it's oh. underhand, but it's fast, and okay. you throw it— um, How fast? Oh, some of these girls throw 70 miles an hour, which is at 43 feet. Baseball is at 60, so at 43 feet, a, a ball coming at wow. you that fast is like a Nolan Ryan. Fa- it's like the fastest of baseball wow. pitchers. But these girls can do everything with the pitch. They can make it curve, mm-hmm. rise, drop, screw, and change. So it's, it's almost like baseball. Mm-hmm. It's almost the same game. So you graduated um, in 72. Two, from Como. And so it took you a while to go through... USL, UL, Lafayette, as we now know it, and become a coach. What was it like in those middle years? Like Title IX was passed, but it really didn't affect women's sports, like you said, for quite a few years. So were there jobs open for many women that were athletic? Not really. In 76, I got my first high school job at Como High School, my alma mater. Like I said, we started fat. Nah, I'm sorry, let's go back. It was Lafayette, Lafayette High, High School. Lafayette Before High School. Como, yeah. And decided uh, they were going to do fast pitch softball. I walked over, I watched a um, school board 
member or the supervisor delivering dirt and sand to the baseball field. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, we didn't have a softball field yet. I was trying to construct it. It was right by the baseball field. And I walked over to him and said, can we get that same delivery over at softball? And the guy looked at me and said, you'll have to prove that you work hard to me before I do it. So that was my initiation, besides not being able to play my whole life, to... The world. As a professional, yeah, like this trying is what to I'm develop it. Dealing so with, yeah. We actually made the first softball field there. I got pipe donated from J.P. Martin, who's still living in uh-huh. Lafayette, and I hand tilled the infield. So and there was took, space though for it. You yes, were lucky there was to have space. space you know? There was space, but needless to say, I couldn't raise my arm for two weeks. So it's a different size, though, than the men's yes. baseball. Yes, our field is about 200 feet, whereas men can be 300, Okay, just because of the strength of the Exactly. Hits. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So, yes, my first encounter was, no, we're not going to help you. Is it still there? Do you know? Uh, they just demolished it because Lafayette High is getting a mm-hmm. remodeling. I wondered about that. Yeah, so- just demolished it. Wow. But, I mean, it served its purpose. It did serve its purpose. For a long time. And then when I uh, taught for four years and uh, wasn't really making ends meet and got Mm -hmm. a little frustrated, I went to work for my parents uh, in Broussard. Our restaurant is still there, Tons Drive-In. We've been open for 58 years. Mm -hmm. And USL called and said, we're going to start a softball program, and we want you to come in for an interview. So I thought, okay, and um, there was no budget. Um, they Did they hired, have a budget for your salary? Were, were they paying uh, you as a professor? My salary was probably $6,000, maybe. And it was, uh, we, there was no field, no scholarships, no nothing, no wow. equipment, nothing. What were you supposed to do? <laughs> Is that your question? question? Like, where are we going to play? Say, yeah. I did say, and I'm a, am I supposed to win? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, yes, of course. How do you recruit with no scholarships? No scholarships. Well, it was yeah. all walk-on tryouts the first year. We we played in five different city parks in Lafayette. I never knew where to tell the team to report to for a game. They hired me in, I think, um, October, uh-huh. and we played oh in gosh. February. Now, were a lot of these girls volleyball players, too, like you? Oh, they were all athletes. You know what I mean? You know? Like, they yes. were just versatile yes. basketball, and kids, volleyball. I'll just get my little plug in now. Kids then played everything. They did. As opposed to now where they specialize, mm-hmm. which I'm not real crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're a much better athlete if you play everything and, and you're you stay exposed healthy. to it. And you stay healthy, right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the first year, nothing. The second year, my mom made the first uniforms. She did? There was, we had no budget. So there was a hand-me-down. Well, actually, the basketball team, which had been around at UL, USL then, uh, was discording their warm-ups. And I thought, wow, my mom could probably make these into baseball pants. And right. she did. So she helped me make the first uniforms. My dad had a truck that he gave me so I could put the equipment in because we didn't have a locker room. We had nothing. Mm-hmm. So the family was very involved from the get-go. What was the the mascot back then? It wasn't Raging Cajun. It was Raging Cajun. They had already then. become Raging Cajun. Yes, but we were the Lady Cajuns. Well, that's good. Yeah, we yeah. were the Lady Cajuns and stayed that way for a very long time until... I'm not quite sure, about 10, 15 years when the university decided all the sports would be raging Cajuns. Now, your first few years, you weren't full-time, though, right? That 6,000... The first 10 years. You were working on the side. Part-time. 
Yeah, you're I working would, on the side to make your Exactly. Bills, you they know. would call me at the restaurant. Coaches all over the country would call me to schedule or whatever, mm-hmm. and they'd say, Were you Where? like frying uh, what? No. French fries? Or I, waited on, I waited on the customers and did the mm-hmm. books in the office. So I... Um, yeah, they would be, they'd say, where are you? And I'd tell Broussard, them. Yeah, Louisiana. I'd tell them at the family restaurant, and they'd say, well, do you deliver? I'd say, no, not to South Carolina. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for 10 years. And then finally I went to the administration and said, it's not fair to my family. It's not fair to me. You have to hire me full time. Well, that was $25,000 after, you know, 10 well, years. that's not bad. I mean, you know, for that time frame, it wasn't a big salary like we think of coaches making, but talk about the community support. You must have really garnered a great amount of support from local people. Well, as I said, we moved, we finally got a makeshift field on Bertrand Drive across from where the track field is now. It would be funny. We'd hit the foul balls into Bertrand and I'd scream at the girls, go get that ball, go get that ball, because we couldn't afford to have a lot of them. But then finally... Um, Dr. Audemars said he was, they were going to build us a softball field at the old dairy farm. So I walked across the practice football fields and looked at it, and I was met by a bull at, uh, with barbed wire because it was the dairy farm. And there was no Cajun Dome Boulevard. There was no bourgeois wow. hall. Oh, yeah. None of that was there. I still mm-hmm. have pictures of that. And they put I'd our, love to get those. They, they, they put, I'll have to find them. I know. They, um, they put our facility there, and I thought at first, why are they hiding us in this spot? Nobody will be able to find us. I mean, there were barns there still after we played a couple of years. Oh. And the, the girls loved the barns. They didn't want them to be demolished because they have activities with the baseball team and other things. Yeah. They'd have fun with it. But um, So anyway, that's the facility that's there now. Um, Everything grew around it. Lamson Park, right. Yeah. And they, they built uh, Cajun Dome Boulevard, Bourgeois Hall came, the uh, tennis mm-hmm. facilities there and everything. But yes, no, unquestionably, when we got to the... Um, we just kept getting better and better and better. We were ranked seventh in the country. I was still part-time. Uh, my pitcher was a first-team All-American, and we had regionals in Lafayette, and they sent Florida State and some other big schools. And that was when the fire was lit. It kind of um, captured Acadiana's imagination. And the biggest movers and shakers in Lafayette started to attend the games, the Alfred Lamsons, that, uh, Herbert wow. Hyman's, yeah. Yeah. the Grant Mollets, the Fritz... Um, uh, Smith, uh, Katie Anna Bodling. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the big time movers and shakers started to come to our games and it became an event. It yeah. became something that you wanted to come and see. And then our games were fast. We'd play a doubleheader, which means two games in three hours. That means baseball oh is still in the seventh inning. Yeah. So our game was fast. Or today in the third inning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> our game was fast. <clears throat> Um, people loved our girls. They mm-hmm. were pretty. They they represented themselves in the university well, because let's face it. I mean, there there's not a lot of. It's getting better, but then there certainly was no pro softball. So they were there to get their education, yeah. and softball provided that avenue. So we kind of captured mm-hmm. um, the town and Acadiana's uh, imagination. And like I said, it became the event that you wanted to right. be at. Where did you recruit from? 
Were well, the girls local or were they coming from all over? I first, uh, I'd say I first built the team with Baton Rouge kids and Lake Charles because Baton Rouge had been playing fast pitch softball for a long time. And uh, they were way ahead of the, the Louis- Lafayette area. Louisiana kids. Yes. Yeah. And Lake Charles, they were there too. Mm-hmm. And then the Houston area was a tremendous hotbed, still is. And that was an area we could recruit because it's a three-hour drive, a four-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And it became um, it became my passion. It was my child. Uh, I gave birth to it, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I could sell it because I'm a Cajun girl. I graduated from here. <clears throat> Um, I knew everything about the university, the, the, the people in town. And mm-hmm. once we became really, really good, my girls were the Cinderella's of the town. I mean, everybody knew who they were. And so it became really cool to be a Lady Cajun softball player. How did that feel for you as a coach? Were you coaching them on people skills, soft skills too? Like you always hear about Tony Robichaux and... I know he did that with the boys, you know, dress appropriately, act Absolutely. as if you're already, you know, like you're, you, it's Absolutely. not like you've gotten something, you, you're earning what you get. Like, oh. did you, did you teach the girls? A- Absolutely. I was very old school and yeah. that, um, Behave the girls still, the girls still maintain the feel that they represented the university. Mm-hmm. Oh, Because yeah. they did. Three strikes and you're out. I mean, you couldn't, really? you couldn't commit too many errors because- Again, we were asking the community to mm-hmm. to really fund us and mm-hmm. to um, be there for us. So, no, I was so old school that I joke about, you know, there's a transfer portal today in athletics. And I said if I was still coaching today, my whole team would have been in the portal after the first practice because I'm so old school <laughs> that I retired at the right age. Gosh. And you did reti- retire, what, in 2011? Yes. So, I want to get into more of your career. First, though, we always stop and look back at an interview that we did in the past, and I wanted to pull up Anya Burgess. Um, She's a local Grammy-nominated Cajun musician, violin maker, and owner of Sola Violins in downtown Lafayette. And she's like you, Yvette. She's a beautiful spirit, and she loves music like you love sports. And she shares her multifaceted talents to make the joy of music accessible to all. You can hear Anya Burgess's interview and many others at discoverlafayette.net. And now the moment. So you're one of the only violin shops in Louisiana. Yes. Yeah. What is yeah, that? So, is that something like, is that yeah, is it just I mean, amazing? Huh? It's, you know, Sola Violins, so Sola. Um, South Louisiana. South Louisiana. And that's, I wanted it to be a regional mm-hmm. name uh, rather than, you know, just the name of either me or. Anya's Violins. Yeah, or <laughs> Lafayette or something. I wanted it to encompass all of the surrounding areas, mm-hmm. but also um, Sola is two notes of the solfege scale. So do, re, mi, fa, sola, ti, uh-huh. do. And when I realized that, I said that, that is, you know, yeah. that's the name. Um, but yeah, there aren't a lot of violin shops in the state. I mean, really only a handful. Mm-hmm. So we serve a very wide region of players. I mean, all those cities that I just mentioned have uh, orchestras, professional orchestras. They have school programs with mm-hmm. with uh, where they teach strings, community orchestras. Of course, a lot of just hobby players. Yeah. So there's a lot of lot of need for um, good quality instruments, good quality repair, uh, rentals. You know, for people who don't want to get mm-hmm. in too deep um, with with instruments. Um, 
in terms of money, um, you can very affordably yeah. rent an instrument and, and try it out. So, is that mainly young students, or that students of all ages? I would say it's mainly young students, but I mean, gosh, I mean, all we rent to all ages. I mm-hmm. mean, adults who are who've always wanted to play the violin, or have always wanted to pick up the cello or the viola or bass. I mean, lifelong dream. I always wanted to do that. They come in and they rent it and try it out. And, and for some of them, it. I mean, for many. Welcome back. We're here with Yvette Girard, and I want to get in before we move on to her career at LSU that she was UL Lady Cajun Volleyball Team's 1976 Female Athlete of the Year, which I didn't get in in the introduction. So there's so many accolades you've gotten. Now, obviously, you did so well at UL. You built that team from nothing with no money, right? Correct. And then you moved on to LSU. Was there something you wanted to get in, though, before we started talking? You said that one woman in particular had helped you raise money, and I don't want to skip over that if you'd like to talk about you asked help me that, you know, that you that got. I always challenged, I was asked to speak everywhere, you know, in town, Rotary Clubs, everything, and I always challenged the women to get more involved because still to this day, although it's a little better, women don't help women. The men are or what really put us over the top and came to my aid first. But um, there was one woman in particular, Carol Ross, who called me one day and said, you know, this is a shame. I feel like I should have been involved far earlier than this, and I want to help you, and I want to come and meet you. And we met over lunch, and she said, we're going to go to Server Chevrolet, and we're going to ask him to give us a red, um, um, what's the... One not a big, Corvette, uh, not a Mustang. Seville or no? no? Gosh, um, maybe. Well, what does what does Chevrolet make? Uh, oh, Chevrolet. Uh, Gosh, a Camaro. Red sports car. Camaro. Camaro. Yes. A red Camaro. Oh my How, goodness! I'm thinking of Cadillac. Got, yeah. Rolodex is trying to move here. <clears throat> right. <laughs> anyway, Camaro. A red Camaro, and I looked at her and I said, "I'm not asking him." <laughs> so she said, "Well, I will," mm-hmm. and we met. And they gave it to us, and we raised, it was called, it was a promo, it was called Apple Pie, Softball, and uh, Service Chevrolet, and sort of after the song, you know, and we sold tickets, and we raised $25,000 doing that, and that was huge, a huge chunk of money for the budget, so she really stepped up, and then she, along with all the gentlemen I talked about, you know, they started to get just the, the more and more people involved with our program, but she she has been a, a lifelong friend since then. And I'm glad you, you got know, that and, down. Uh, yeah. yeah, it gave me a lot of good advice. And you know, I was kind of winging this all on my own for a long time. And so um, I'm assuming the university at some point started offering scholarships. Oh, we had we had okay. So the first year we had zero. The second year we had a half of a scholarship. In year ten we had seven scholarships. And then we finally, you know, um, eased up to 11, which is the limit. Mm-hmm. And then about a couple of years later, the NCAA decided to offer another one. So you could have 12 full scholarships. And the university at first told me no. And we were ranked like second in the country. And I said, well, I'm going to award it. So we'll just have to find the money somewhere because I was not going backwards anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, yes, when I left, it was full. It was fully funded in that scholarships were paid for and the two coaches' salary w- was paid for, but everything else had to be raised. The operating budget, which travel. meant travel, recruiting, Uniforms. which I never took a dime out of my pocket uh-huh. to recruit. I just recruited out of my own pocket. Uh, uniforms, umpires' fees, uh, seed for the field, dirt, sand, everything else I had to raise. So it was about $85,000 a year. Every year. Every year. And so you were number two. You're saying, let's just take that as an example. The number one team, I'm assuming, was uh, uh, UCLA, funded. somebody like that. Of course. Funded. Of course. Did LSU pick up the phone and call you at some point? LSU actually came after me three different times. They came after me the first time, and they offered me the job. And, you know, I just I stayed there on the campus for about six. I actually met with Joe Dean on three different—he was the oh AD my gosh. then— wow. uh, on three different occasions, and I, um, I just couldn't say no. This was, mm-hmm. as I said, this was my baby. Second time they brought me in, and then they actually gave it to the assistant coach that was there. But the third time, you know, I already had 20 years in the Louisiana State retirement system. Well, I could go to LSU and retire there and quadruple my salary and retire at that. Are you serious? So that's quadruple. Why, that's why I left. It wow. was to take care of me yeah. because it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of my friends were calling me and saying, because the salary started escalating, the budget started escalating, because softball became really, took off, and they they kept saying, you have to see how the other half lives. And really, I'm a Louisiana girl, Texas called, Tennessee called, Washington. I was offered Mm -hmm. a bunch of jobs, uh, Minnesota, but I was never going to leave this state. So 60 miles down the road was okay for me. And of course, if you're born in this state, whether you like it or not, you're an LSU fan some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2000. Correct. That was 75 years after Title IX had really started recognizing that gender equity in education also spilled over into sports, right? Women's, uh, women's sports. Right. Yeah. 50 years. Yeah. We just but I mean celebrate. in 2000. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But in 2000, when you yes. left to go there, it had been about 25 years since this had happened. Did you think about Title IX a lot when you were going to LSU? Did you think about where things had... I actually did. I had decided because some things had occurred in the university and it didn't seem like we were ever... I couldn't keep an assistant coach because we couldn't offer a reputable salary. And once the SEC started softball, they were just throwing money around and I couldn't keep assistant coaches. They'd get hired somewhere else. And so... um, I had made a decision in my mind, I either have to file a Title IX suit to fight for things here or I need to leave. And um, I didn't want to file the Title IX because, frankly, you become the bitch after that and life becomes really, really hard uh, for you. And I really didn't want to do it. It was my alma mater and I, I didn't want people to to hate me for that. But then I took the LSU job and that... So that, that kind of made them hate me storm. anyway. There's such so a, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't win for losing in that situation. It's such a competitive spirit, oh, right? Oh, yes. And um, and I think we can love both. But 
I know you were like a UL girl. I was a so. UL girl, but I loved LSU football because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, me I went to <laughs> I went to football games when I was five years old. Yeah, you know, and I just thought that was so cool. And um, it's all cool though. We've yeah. got good sports in, well, in Louisiana. And then when I went on the interview and I and I came back and I thought they're really not the bad guys. You know, we 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 were kind of ingrained, and there's some stuff politically that I know happened, but. They treated me like a queen, and um, I thought, you know, why wouldn't I take this job? So after the third time, it was time. Mm-hmm. I had to do it. It was hard. You know, I'd lived my whole life here. I'd, I was a mama's girl, big homebody, and all that good stuff, so even mm-hmm. one hour down the road. So, um, you know, I um, and I had a team that was in love at LSU, that was in love with their coach that just left. And in my press conference, they were all crying in the back of the press room. And I thought, whoa, what what? have I done? (laughs) Well, how did things go? Talk about that. God, it it was ironic, and God has a way of playing tricks on you sometimes. To get to the Women's College World Series in my first year at LSU, we had to beat the Lady Cajuns. Oh, no. My old team. Oh, no. In Baton Rouge. And to needless to say, the morning of the championship game, I can say that I spent a lot of that morning in the bathroom. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was tough, you know. And so thankfully, uh, you know, with the renaming of the field and the new administration with Dr. Savoy and Brian mm-hmm. Maggard, who's the AD at UL, they have treated me so well and welcoming me back because for a lot of years I wasn't welcome back and that was hard. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that was heartbreaking for you. you I know. couldn't go down Cajun Dome Boulevard uh, when I was at LSU because it broke my heart. Yeah. So right. Anyway, um, it's all good now. Can you talk about what Title IX has done in the big picture? You know, I I have the article from the. It's from the uh, Acadiana Advocate. I know there was a big article also in the Advertiser about 50 years of Title IX, but this hits you at the right time in your life. As a young woman, a few years, if you had gone a few years, you wouldn't have probably had a career in sports at all. Right. You would have been maybe at your family restaurant, which would have been fine, but this opened up doors for you and so many other women. It's that, like I said, uh, at every induction I go through, I didn't understand God's plan for me, that he gave me athletic ability, but then didn't let me use it, but then gave me a career in a sport that I never even dreamed of. Mm-hmm. And really, except for winning the national championship at the peak of it. You know, I've been, as you said, honored by oh, everything. It's spe- and the national accolades. Yeah. And the National Softball Coaches Association. So... Um, gave me a career in that. Now, these coaches now are making quadruple what I made. Are they? Just oh, uh, yeah. 11 and years it, later? It, we have come so far. The, the the women, you know, they travel first class. They, they have a lot of exactly what the men have. My, um, my burr in the saddle for me is that now I'd like to see more women stay as coaches, and we mm-hmm. are seeing that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women who have a family, it's very, very hard for them to stay in coaching because, travel. let's face it, the yeah. travel, the mom is the one that's got to be the caretaker of those children. And I watched mm-hmm. my fellow coaches have to do that. So I suggest, you know, when the men, when they try to hire the men and they entice them with uh 
golf, golf club uh, yeah. memberships mm-hmm. or this I or saw that. You said that. How about we offer childcare for the mother or a nanny to, to travel, travel? Yeah, you know, so that along. women could stay mm-hmm. in this profession. So we're still, even though we're working towards equality, things are never really quite equal. No, but they not can quite. be. But we can be accommodated to meet different needs. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't think ever, things will ever be equal with men and women because we both kind of bring different roles to a family. But I read that in The Advocate that you said that, and I thought, how true. Even when you see women running for office or whatever, they're probably still figuring out, do we have groceries? Is exactly. there milk in the fridge? And did I make that appointment for Junior to go get, you know, well, I just yearly saw checkup. their children crying when they were leaving, and I thought... Well, why can't they take them with them? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. and now they fly a lot everywhere, so there's no reason they can't. But um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big priority because let's face it, you know, there things have accelerated so rapidly and and so in such a advantage uh, advantageous way for women, the athletes, but for the coaches, um, like I said, that's a big deal. But let's face it. A woman will net. Well, I won't say never, but they won't interview a, a woman for a man's job in athletics. But they will hire a ton of men to coach women's softball. Mm-hmm. Are they qualified? Yes, but you know, I think that if we provided some of these benefits, that uh, you should really look harder at women, right. women coaching women. Right. Where are women in the pay scales? I know, like Kim. Is it um, Mulkey. Mulkey at uh, LSU basketball? I mean, I know she's making quite a bit, but I don't even know how she compares to other I, men basketball well, coaches. Well, see, she's broken a bunch of barriers. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's so cool. She may be she may be being paid more than the men's basketball coach. I'm not sure. So there's some she's circumstances. Des- she deserves it. She does. Yeah. I she's a winner. Se- I bought two season tickets, and I never had to. I'd love to meet her. God, she's just she's awesome. She's a pistol. Yeah. She is a pistol. Yeah, but um, I mean, how many women are really at that level that are competitive handful, with men's? A handful, you know? I think. Oh. But it's slowly inching its way there. You know, and then in another regard, I think the salaries are crazy. You know, they I are do a think, little over the charts. Well, yeah. I mean, you're paying people not to come to work. Mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars because you fire them. But, you know, we're slowly inching that way. Mm-hmm. Where are we now? Like, do you think 50 years later, how would you assess where women's sports are from your perspective? And it could be across the board, Yvette, not yeah. just softball. Oh, I think we, we are leaps and bounds. I think there's still some hurdles to 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 follow, but uh, to to uh, go across, but women's softball in particular, of course, that's my you know my bread and butter here. The women's college World Series had more viewers than men's baseball, really? because oh, it has captured. We always said the last horizon for softball was TV, and mm-hmm. it's given me another career because I do. LSU's color commentary for SEC Network, I'm glad and you I that do down. the Cajuns also. So mm-hmm. you do both. I do both when I can't. You know, I I I split it up. I do what I can for each school, but um, it's fun. It's um, you know, I I always said as a at the beginning when I had to speak to all those groups, I'd say just give us a chance, come one time to a game, mm-hmm. and I'll give you your money back if you didn't have a good time and. It has captured everybody's imagination. And at the beginning of Title IX, when 
you know, the men were saying, oh, you're cutting men's sports. You're taking this money from men's teams. I'd say, if you have a daughter and she's athletically inclined, you want the same mm-hmm. rights for your daughter as your son has. You will change your mind. And mm-hmm. that's so true still today. You brought it home for them. I, I went through that at LSU when I got into law school in 1980. Exactly. I had so many people tell me, you're taking a man's spot. And I thought... I'm just going to sit down, though, and earn my spot. Exactly. It was hard to stay in, but I didn't take it from anybody. I earned it. Exactly. Yeah. But, boy, what could you do? It kind of stung to hear that. Just like the school board person and the person telling me I couldn't have dirt and sand because I was a woman, Mm -hmm. you know? So I I get it. I'm going to do it myself. I get it, but uh, let them tell tell a woman that today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Any advice for young women or young men, you know, that are looking at maybe wanting to be a coach. Is there other things you've learned in your career? Well, nothing compares to hard work. And you just can't take, as you did, you just can't take no as an answer right away. You have to figure out how to make that answer yes or work for you. Um, Hard work, be willing to start at the bottom, be willing to be a graduate assistant, be willing to work, work your way up. You know, it just doesn't happen like it happened for me where, okay, you can be the head coach with no experience, but <laughs> no, no money. money. <laughs> so, um, you know, you have to be willing to put in mm-hmm. hard work first, but mm-hmm. you can absolutely have a career in, in, in anything that you um, dream. And for young athletes, what do you like to see in their demeanor, you know, the, the attitude that they show up with? Well, I'm going to tell you, when I recruited, I watched them. I watched them on the field, their attitude in the dugout. I watched the parents in the stands, those that were always arguing with the umpire or screaming at their kid or, you know, same as like a Tony show, a kid calling his mama to go get him some water at the concession stand. If I watch a, uh, if I watched a young lady that changed teams every year, mm-mm. you know what kind of uh, uh, loyalty do you have? Of course, with the transfer portal now, they can leave every year if they wanted to. But um, people pay attention to all of that. The mm-hmm. hustle, your um, just your you know exp- your bodily expression. So you don't you can't just be good. You know, you, this is a team sport. Mm-hmm. You have to be a teammate. And a leader. Exactly. I think that's why we all fell in love with Joe Burrow. Exactly. Because he didn't ask for anything. He earned it, but he also worked hard and included others. Got to be the first one there and last one to leave. Yeah. And if you want to be a leader, that's what mm-hmm. it takes. I'm glad you brought up the transfer portal. For, for women, for this NIL, you know, the image and likeness, money that's available, are there many women, you think, that will be making some money from this? Um. Since I'm kind of you know disassociated with, I do I do think there's a gymnastics uh, uh, athlete at LSU that might make a million dollars because she has such a big TikTok following. You know, it's kind of <laughs> out of my realm, but um, but she's got a lot of followers. She does, and I'm not quite sure how all that works. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I don't I don't think there's going to be you know, gigantuan money like some of these football players and basketball players might get, which if you ask me my opinion, I do not think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that they, they just open that Pandora's box without any kind of guidelines or restrictions. Yeah, put it all so, on the coaches, I'm sure it is. Well, the coaches can't do it. It has to be, they're well, not the supposed supporters. to be soliciting, but 
we all look at know A&M, the coaches. Yeah. Or UT, we all, look at that. Yeah, we all know the coaches go mm-hmm. to those solicitors and say, I need this guy. You know, yeah. do what you got to do. So, right. anyway. It's um, an interesting time. It's a crazy time. Mm-hmm. It's a hard time to coach. A very hard time to coach. All of my coaching friends are just shaking their heads because, you know, athletics is supposed to teach a lot of lessons. And one of those lessons is it's not easy because it's not PE and it's not intramurals. You're special. You're just one of a group of people that get to do this. And it was never supposed to be easy. But if you think your coach is fussing at you because they're coaching you and you can go to your dorm room after practice and get on the portal or no, get on the internet and complain to athletic administrators. And that's what's going on. Um. So (laughs) it's a crazy time to coach and um, not saying that some coaches aren't crazy. There's a lot of things I look back on and thought, Oh my gosh, why did I say that? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like I said, I wouldn't have had a team. You think young Yvette would look forward like this and just be surprised or say, way to go? Oh, way to go. Mm-hmm. Way to go. You know, I just, all I wanted to do was play. You know, all I wanted to do was play. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you thought I would ask you that we haven't covered? Um, no, not really. I'm glad you brought in your ESPN. You, you tape from your house or do you tape no, on I'm site? No, I'm at the fields. So you're on I'm site at, at LSU the, in here. Yes, we do. A, I do a lot of homework where... Uh, you know, I'm the color commentator, so I don't call play-by-play. Um, I just talk about kind of what I know, mm-hmm. and uh, I do my research on the coaches and the players and everything else. So it keeps me, it keeps me still very involved with the game. But at the end of the day, it's no longer my fault, <laughs> and I don't have to recruit anymore. You can relax. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it's fun. I really like it. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so proud that we get to share your story. Yvette Gerard, thank you for joining us on Discover Lafayette. I was Such a pleasure. Ha- happy to be here and happy to always come home. Thank you. I'd like to thank our listeners, too. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. And we couldn't do this without our sponsors. I'd like to thank Oxner, Lafayette General, Home Bank, and Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape and makes it professional. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. 